So you, so you said you have all these things to do on your laser, then your laser dies. Yeah. Well, then you don't have to do those things anymore. So your wait, load wait, did, is lightened. Did, did the laser actually die? What's up, Internet? You're listening to the Making Geeks podcast, a podcast for makers, families, and geeks. I think I see Donovan sweating, wondering if he's going to get everything done in time. I'm not. <laughs> we had I know the answer to that you. question. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to happen, but I'm going to try anyway. I had to basically drag you on here. I know. You mean guilt him Well, because originally <laughs> I was like, guys, we've got too much going on. Uh, I'm not going to be there on podcast tonight. And then Wes took a big can of guilt. And you open it up like a pull tab, just I was trying to make your fizzle life for a little bit. You know, get the bubbles out. So you, so you, you said you have all these things to on. do on your laser, then your laser dies. Yeah. Well, then you don't have to do those things anymore. So your wait, load wait, did, is lightened. Did the laser actually die? Yeah, like it stopped outputting. It stopped outputting. Hmm. Um, I thought it was uh, an alignment thing. Uh, and initially it was because the, the head of the laser, like that, that final angle where it goes down, like that thing was like smoking hot, just screaming hot. And I was like, okay, so maybe the laser is hitting that. And so like I realigned it, I cleaned everything, checked all the connections, you know, try to make sure that, you know, like I've done a thousand times before with that laser cutter and, uh, went to go went to go try and cut and it it doesn't even get it it's like less than halfway through an eighth inch piece of wood on power 12 and just like oh, sounds, no. sounds like a focus issue i mean because when i saw the the ones that you're holding up uh, in your mm-hmm. social media those cut lines looked thicker than they probably should have unless it's all burning it no that's burning hmm. it's i do, I do, you, have, do you have air, do, do you have air assist uh-huh yeah, so that was that was the initial thing. When it first started fizzing out, um, the, the air assist that I had on there, the three D printed piece, yeah. melted. Yeah. And just I didn't like, use flopped everywhere, and I was like, "What is that smell?" Because I was like, I was letting it run while I was working in the shop, and I opened it up. I'm like, "Oh shoot!" So I I three D printed a new one and got it all set up, you know, and then did the whole realignment thing and everything, and it's just what yeah, does the lens look like? Huh? The lens is fine? Yeah, the lens is fine. Everything's fine. I mean... How, how are you focusing your laser? So I have a, uh, a 3D printed little L bracket. Spacer. Mm-hmm. spacer okay. Yeah. Um, that I that I rest on top of the gantry and then adjust the bed to, to meet the bottom of that little Yeah, but the, bracket. The, how did you come up with that size for, for that? Did you do the line test like we had talked about a long time ago? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just wondering. I mean, because more often than not, especially with that laser, a lot of it is like a, a focus issue. So, but if, yeah. if that was it, that was it. Yep. Yeah, it's just a power output thing, and I can't, I can't figure out what's going on with it in order to fix it, and I don't have the time. Didn't you already to troubleshoot it? Didn't you already replace the tube once? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, I mean, really, twice. it's only it's only so many things. So yeah, yeah. I mean, the only other yeah. thing is getting more technical into looking at the wiring on it and. But like you said, yeah, time. Yeah, chances of that going out are so slim compared to the no, no. But like bad, bad connection on the on the cathode or whatever it's called. Yeah, but that wouldn't explain why it's, the head of it gets hot though. No, I was just thinking about the power output. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about that part. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But now you get to focus on the other 
30 things you're trying to do for your booth. I know. It was, today's been rough. Like, I I felt like I was on the verge of a mental breakdown this afternoon because everything was falling apart. Like, I'm behind on everything. I have this event coming up in two days, and I was like, I... I can't do this anymore. <laughs> you, you should you should build start building in a buffer for yourself. Of here's what I want to do, and automatically chop off five things. Well, I don't. So like in the uh, the good dinosaur, you know the the big like uh, the horrible Pixar movie. The one? Yeah, yeah. There's that there's that dinosaur in there that has all the birds sitting on his head. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is the flow. Like this is, and it's like this is Dreamcatcher. She keeps me from having unrealistic expectations. I need that. <laughs> I need I need a little dream crusher that sits in my shop. It's like, I want to do this, this, and this. You have a podcast. We tell you every week. <laughs> <laughs> but on a daily basis. Somebody to remind me in, in between these moments that we have together. Mm-hmm. What have you been up to? Trying to get acclimated to work. So this is my first full week back to work, and it's it's pretty crazy. Our enrollment for the school is up a lot. Um, I have, I'm teaching an extra class. So instead of, uh, five classes, I'm teaching six. I have almost 200 students for animation classes. One of my classes is overflowing and it's, yeah, it's chaotic. I guess probably spend an hour talking about just the situation at work right now. So I'm just trying to balance something, those things. And even worse, and I talked about this on an Instagram story earlier this week, there was a California state law that was passed that said that California high schools can't start before 8.30 in the morning. We used to start at 7.45, which I loved. But now I'm we have to start at 8.30, which also pushes... Is that a our, budgetary thing? Or? No, it was based on some studies that were done saying that uh, students do better in school when they start later because they stay up and too sleep. late and, and sleep. Yeah. I really don't think we're going to see any difference at all academically because a lot of the other problems are you know sleep is important as a factor but it's not a big enough factor like the uh, our state legislator thinks and even worse we didn't get to vote on it it was simply some lawmakers said okay we're gonna do it and And now we're all along for the ride now the students will just stay up that much later yep (laughs) and it's and a lot of it too um i don't know if it's the same in your area here growing up i either took the bus or i walked to school um my parents almost never dropped me off most parents drop their kids off at school now there are very few that walk um, anymore and it creates traffic jams in the street uh, road rage and a lot of kids are late because of the parents so that issue with sleep in the hour still doesn't really get fixed so it'll be an interesting year but also because of that I'm, I'm getting out a, a half hour later, which completely messes up and changes my the rest of my day. And I'm beat every day when I get home right now. It's only the fourth day of, of work, too. What Drum- about you, Wes? What new yeah. <laughs> bright house remodeling saga is beholden in view this week? Well, I decided to give my shop some TLC. I replaced the fluorescent bulbs with LED fixture bulb things. And it's basically like uh, Clark Griswold's uh, front lawn right now. It's so bright in here. Um, I'm sure my eyes will get used to it, but it's just, it's really bright. Um, 
there are no normal there are no windows in this in this workspace as you guys know uh so i don't really get any sunlight so i did choose the daylight um color temperature and it is just intense um but hopefully maybe it'll help my some of my videography look a little better uh i don't know when i actually do some that might be a nice change um as far as outside the other the other stuff um our kitchen is completely done now yeah it's been painted yes yay painted um countertops like we had our uh, cabinets re uh faced mm-hmm. and painted so they look brand new like externally i got like uh some spice storage like slide out things they're like kind of cool I found on Amazon they're way too expensive for what they seem they are. They're like 120 bucks for like told 30 piece 30 spice things, but they they're like vertical sliders. They like it's like almost like vertical stacks. They slide out almost like a I don't even know how to describe it like vertical shelves almost, and they kind of have these rubber bands that prevent them from falling off. They go around the side, but you can like oh, pull yeah, them yeah, off. Yeah. Off to like an Instagram story or something. They're actually kind of cool. Um, but a little pricey, but uh, I feel I get some use out of it and get a good review out of it. But um, uh, it's 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 things are slowing down, which is good. Still have to do the last coat of stain, which that'll be the perpetual joke. I think it'll never get the last coat of well, stain you, on the deck. But you know, the last coat of stain will actually happen after the first rain. Right, right, or after we move away, <laughs> which hopefully doesn't happen. Um, yeah, it's basically all here. Um, and also looking at people's, uh, stories about when they're traveling to all these different conferences. I've been doing a lot of that lately. Get some FOMO. Well, I'm going to get FOMO about, uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con. Yes. I've been wanting to go to that one Silic- for years. Silicon? Silicon. Silicon? Yeah. How do you Silicon? say it? Silicon, because it's a conference. Got it. <laughs> How do you say it? Silicon? Silicon. Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley. I just call it the Valley. Mm, uh-huh. <laughs> so have you been able to give your uh, new kitchen a test drive yet? A little bit. Uh, still getting used to the positioning of things. We've changed out like where the silverware is. Uh, oh, I got the um, the Spartan knife block from our friends over at uh, Missing Digit Workshop. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Awesome. I got two of them. So one of them is like steak knives. And the other one is like a kitchen set, like with the different types of knives, like different sizes and stuff. And they're sort of like facing each other at an angle. And they're like lo- basically like lobbing knives at each other over the stove, which is kind of fun. Um, Stop motion animation would be cool. Yeah, they're a lot larger than I thought they were would be. I never actually – I think I did see one in person, but it's been many years now. Um, but I got them from Joel and uh, down there in Atlanta, handcrafted. So they're, they're pretty cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to – Doing a lot more in that kitchen. We've got the uh, Samsung kind of fancy oven. It's got like um, a double. Uh, the, the internal, have I, have I described this before? The internal oven cavity has like a, a divider you can put in to basically give it two, two zones, essentially. Two, ov- like many ovens, essentially. So like if you're cooking two different things, you can actually dial each one in to a separate temperature uh, individually. And then you can take it out if you have larger things there's all kinds of different modes there's like an air fry mode um there's like a baking uh like a bread proofing mode 
there's uh, dehydration mode. There's like it's like convection. It does all these different things, which is kind of cool. So I need to play around with it. And it also has Wi-Fi capabilities, which is underwhelming, unfortunately. It sounds like it would be awesome, but hack your uh, hack your oven. Yeah, yeah, basically, hack your oven. Basically, they they they. I'm sure the the thing I don't like is the thing that they put in there for security reasons. You can't actually activate it remotely. You can only deactivate it remotely. You, you can tell it what temperature you're going to want the oven to be at, but to actually act to start it, you have to hit a physical button on the unit, which I mean, makes sense. You don't want people to start a fire. But also, if you're stuck in traffic and you have the thing in the oven, you can't really start it remotely either. So it's it's kind of a, a toss-up. And then I noticed today that I get a notification every time like the oven finishes or whatever. So it's just going to like pile up my notifications on my phone, which is not something I need more of. So I'm probably just going to end up disabling that feature, unfortunately. But it's one of those things that sound good on paper. And like when you're like conveying one to another, like online with all the little spreadsheets and the comparison things. And then when the rubber hits the road, it just doesn't really pan out, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I just need to hack it and put a Raspberry Pi in it. <laughs> That's how you do it. What could possibly be wrong? Is it, a, a, is it a floor standing oven? Is it pretty much the same spot it was before? Yeah, yeah, it's a thirty inch. Why is that? Is that standard for oven? I think it is. Sounds it's standard right. width. Yeah, we had the possibility to get a thirty six inch. I think which is the next size up width. I believe. Don't quote me on that. But it, it's a standard size, and it just replaced the old one as it sat. It didn't move anywhere. Yeah, that's enough about my kitchen boringness. <laughs> so I, I think the main topic that we were talking about doing earlier is talking about. Uh, Maker Fair, kind of in and of itself, since Donna and you're going, when, two days, three days? Uh, Well, two days. Saturday. Saturday. I set up tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow afternoon is when I'm setting up my booth. Because I got such a big booth this year, uh, I got permission to set up early. Because most people just set up the morning of. Uh, but I will be setting up my booth tomorrow afternoon. And then all day Saturday is Maker Fair. I'm screaming just... on the inside. <laughs> but... <laughs> So I've actually lost track. How many years ago was it that we were at Maker Faire? Was it three years, four years now? I mean, it's obviously before before COVID. Four years. It's been four years. Are you talking years, about already? Bay Area? Yeah. 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 Really? Uh, yeah, 2018. 2018, I think. No. Yep. I think 2019, right? No, because it stopped. 2020 was the first one they didn't have. It just coincided with. No, okay, I thought it stopped a year before that, actually. Mm, perhaps. So, man, so four old. years. Yeah. <laughs> We're so old. Hearing that, is actually, hearing that is actually starting to hurt a little bit. <laughs> it used to be a joke, but now it seems like it's actually coming true. Uh, yeah, four years ago, I think, we were actually at Maker Faire, which is when we did our last uh, live um, live show. And after that, if... if Anybody listening isn't really familiar with the story. The uh, the company went through a restructuring. If I remember correctly, and, and either one of you, go ahead and chime in and correct me if I'm getting any of the facts wrong. <clears throat> but the, the parent company that owned Make wanted to kind of pull out, um, which caused a restructuring of the company, and which also caused a stop to the Maker Faires, uh, partially because of the cost. Um, they weren't. Well, it, it was a stop to like everything, wasn't it? Make magazine, Maker Fair. Well, all yeah, the staff yeah, but, got but laid I mean, off. But I mean, Make magazine came back, 
but Maker Fair yeah. was kind of permanently closed. And part of it is that it was never really a very good money-making venture. And even though it was fantastic for the community, um, the parent company basically just wanted their money back. The, I'm saying this secondhand from what I've, I've heard from people um, who were pretty close to uh, the internal events that happened. And there's hopes that the Maker Faire would come back in a kind of a new incarnation with the, the reimagining of Make, which is supposed to be a little bit more of a, a streamlined company now, uh, you know, with their online site and the, the magazine. And I think they, they did okay coming back with the magazine and still trying to build a community, but Maker Faire, other than the, the local, uh, local ones, um, was all that came back. The, the bigger flagship Maker Faires have, you know, still have not returned. And I don't know if there's any indication that they will, because there was the... When you say flagship Maker Faires, so you're talking about New York and Bay Area? Or are those... No, there's a, there's the a third Well, no, there's a third one, too. There was New York, Bay Area, and I think it was Washington. There, there was one more. They also had some overseas. I, they, I don't think they would consider this flagship, but there was like in Italy, there was one, uh, and some other places. But they were pretty well represented for, for several years. And I think a lot of us, well, I, I think some people have different memories of, of it. But we thought it'd be interesting to talk about is. Make it for still viable right now. Is that something that um, we still think should come back in its previous incarnation or maybe uh, changed somehow to better fit how things have changed in the last five years? I don't know. That's kind of a, kind of the questions we're posing tonight. Deep question. <laughs> I have it's it seemed in some regards, at least here in Tulsa, I've been to a few maker fairs. I've been to the one here in Tulsa and Kansas City, Barry Area Maker Fair um, over the years. This is my fifth year doing uh, Maker Fair booths. And a lot of it seems the same, like it hasn't changed, aside from you know, fewer numbers and more restrictions and, and whatnot just because of the pandemic. But, um, so but it's, it's, it's a lot different too. So, since you're pausing, let me, let me ask you a question based on then, because yeah. I've only ever been to the Bay area maker fair. How does that compare to the one that you've, that you go to in Oklahoma? Is it just scale or is it something else too? Um, I think part of it is scale. Um, Bay Area Make a Fair is definitely an exhibition uh, of scale. <laughs> Just the the sheer amount of things that people create and the size of them is just it's it's astronomical. Like the cardboard T Rex that was like what thirty feet tall. The I mean just the the sheer the scale. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the mech. Yeah. The, the dragon, there was like a motorcycle dragon that like breathed fire that was ginormous. Um, so Bay Area Maker Fair is definitely where the where all the grandeur of the make community seems to be focused. Uh, Tulsa Maker Fair and Kansas City Maker Fair, it's <laughs> they're a lot smaller uh, in terms of like the scale of the project. There's still a bunch of people that go to them. And the, the layout is still the same with the booze and the exhibitions and things like that. Um, but just the the things that people make 
on a local level are a lot, lot less than something you'd see at Bay Area Make a Fair. And if to that set the record straight, straight here, I looked it up, and 2019 was the last one that we went to. Was it 19? I got, I got an event bright ticket. And Okay. Yeah. It's so weird. That doesn't line up with... With all the, of our year, with the events the tracking memory. has been destroyed with all the COVID stuff, like our perception of how long things are. Well, no, I, I understand that it has, but I could have swore the the shakeup of the company happened right after. Maybe that's what it is, because it happened right it was, after. Yeah, it was right after. It was, it was right, after. right after. Yeah, because we were like, oh, because like pe- they, they were taking people's signups for new issues while we were there. And then it was like, it felt like within a month they closed. So basically they knew that they were going to end up folding and they took those people's money anyways. I think we already, really, I think, I think we already knew that something was up there. Cause I remember talking to Ben, uh, Ben, you waited that night about the whole thing. Cause he had a, I guess he had a private movie uh, meeting with what's guy's name. Gary Dale. No, Dale. Gary. Dale. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> he looks like a Gary. Uh, yeah. Dale. And the whole scale of the thing was a lot smaller than in previous years too. Yeah. There like, was something was like missing. Corridor. Yeah. Yeah. But, and it rained too. I think that was the first time I remember it raining a lot, and I think it forced a lot of folks indoors. And it was a pretty uh, good rain. Sort of soured it. Yeah. It was a pretty yeah. good rain. Yeah. There's a lot of outdoor stuff there, and it. And it was just like a combination of things. But. You know, I I like Maker Fair, but I'd been what two or three times, and I think after that third time, um, even aside from the weather, I was actually getting a little bit fatigue. Hey, um, yeah, let's say fatigue. So I was going to say bored, yeah. bored, but I think fatigue is actually a better, better word. Yeah. And what's interesting is that's my memory of it. But you know, we were also presenting there. There's other things going on for us. My both of my kids the other day are like, I miss Maker Fair. I miss, and they were kind of like moaning about it. They really miss it. But that was from their point of view as, as kids and being able to go there and experience all these things that they haven't. You know, they're well, they're around quite a bit, but still not on the schedule scale in that environment. So I know that point of view and perception of it is going to, you know, changes it too. Um, Well, what did you like about Maker Faire? You guys. Yeah. Yeah. Community. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I'm, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I'd been there, had gone there three, uh, three years in a row. And I don't think things changed enough to get me excited in the same way for things to see for people. Yes. Love seeing people. Uh, Donovan, I still remember that like 40 minute ever, never ending conversation with Patrick Norton that we had, and it felt like we couldn't get away from him. Um, but you know, that was dealing with people. It had nothing to do with other than the opportunity to meet somebody else than the fair itself. Yeah. That also sort of cemented my feelings as well. And then I realized that it didn't really. It didn't matter as much as to where we met, as long as, or what the event was that we met at, it was more of the people. So it could be, as I say all the time, it could be like an international Walmart Greeters Association conference, and we would have just as much fun. Because honestly, like half the fun is the after event stuff, anyways. So it takes even more value away and away from the main event when, like, the focus is everything else. Mm-hmm. And then with the you know the cost of an event such as WorkbenchCon, it even helps further cement that. Uh, because the, honestly, the total cost for me to go to WorkbenchCon or to Bay Area is honestly pretty close to the same. 
unfortunately, when you factor in like Airbnb, an Airbnb in California and a flight for me to go out there, um, and it's probably even more expensive for you, Sean, to come out here because not only is the you know the flight in the hotel, and then the cost of the event itself was intentionally astronomical just to keep you know looky lose and whatnot away. But I don't know if the the benefit that I get out of that specific offering that they have there really weighs uh, equally to the amount of money that I'm putting out to go to the thing. Um, like we just we just had that one conference in Kentucky, uh, not to bring it up again and beat the the dead uh, horse right there near the Kentucky Derby, but um, <laughs> it it cost virtually nothing in comparison as far as the event cost itself, and had a great time. And then there's a there's a 3D printing conference in Maryland in October called uh, Earth, which is East Coast Rep Rap Festival. And that's like $10 in mission. I've been to that one before, and it's like a super fun time. And again, it's just the people that you end up interacting with. Yeah, there's some cool things to see, but, you know, a 3D printed thing is, unless it's something really out there, like, a you know, some crazy giant sculpture of something, it's it's the a little bit of the novelty is wearing off for some of the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's a giant 3D, or giant cardboard T-Rex, which is not 3D printed, but... Um, those things are so few and far between that it's I don't know, it's hard yeah, the technology is cool to see, but every time I'm like wow, never be able to afford that, oh that's so cool (laughs) never gonna get that wait, 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 (laughs) stop stop for a second do you not have a laser cutter? I do Do I didn't buy it though do you not have a 3D printer? I do. That one do you, actually. Do you not have a fun. CNC? <laughs> yes. So regardless, but I'm talking. Dot dot dot. Stop stop. Regardless of your reaction, being able to afford it, somehow they're in your possession. I know because of the community. Because <laughs> people in this community are absolutely amazing and have helped me pursue this dream of being a maker. Like I realize that like most everything in my shop with very few exceptions, have been gifted to me in one form or another. And it's just kind of depressing, <laughs> but also like really encouraging and and amazing at the same time. Because I'm like, man, what would this look like if I didn't have the, the support system around me that I do? It's just, yeah. I think that... And I'll, I'll at least speak for myself here, but I feel like I'm, I'm in a weird spot with a lot of the, uh, the conventions and, you know, whether it's, you know, WorkbenchCon, Maker Faire. Uh, there's another one I was thinking of, too, and I can't remember what it was. But I, Maker I, Camp? Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe, I think Maker Camp would be a, a unique one and a little bit different because it's not commercial for the most part. So right. Well... I, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wasn't I wasn't there. I'm kind of I could only comment on what I heard from all of you, but it seemed different because of it well, almost seemed maker, like I was sorry. I was referring to the Catskill Maker Camp in New York. Yeah. In oh, that specific oh, oh, oh. instance. Oh, okay. Which that one is a little more commercially, but okay. the one in Kentucky, which I think should have had a different name because we refer to it the same way, uh, the Maker Alliance Camp, Maker Camp, yeah, or whatever. Um, yeah. 
but I've been to so many different conventions and and industry gatherings over the last 20 years. I've been to Seagraph. I've been to Comic-Con several times. I've been to WorkbenchCon, Maker Faire. And they're, they're starting to blend together for me and they, they don't hold the same value that they might have at one time. Because I don't... In a lot of those, I think they actually really cater to almost like a consumer. And sure. I, I don't I don't feel like I'm on that end anymore. And I actually don't even want to be on that end as much anymore. So I get more out of like person-to-person uh, contact and conversation, which is embedded in all these things. But the huge thing that I'm, I'm paying for uh, doesn't hold the same value. And it's hard getting excited about some of those things as of, as of right now, um, especially with time being limited. Um, I don't seem I can, you know, cut out for enough time to, to actually enjoy. I always feel like I'm missing out on the, the more interesting part of um, getting together and just hanging out at night or going to breakfast the next morning, whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm curious uh, to hear you guys think, you know, what would an ideal gathering look like that is that is some sort of event not not just uh you know us going out to wes's house but but maybe a maker event geared for makers and not even just like workbench con because even though workbench con was for content creators it was still for a commercial purpose let's connect with advertisers could you envision something that really was more just for for makers I, honestly, I can't get that much different than the Kentucky one. Honestly, okay. I can't. I can't think of anything more that would align with that idea, at least initially. Like, I don't know. My, you can chime in if you want, Donovan. But I think because all the people that organized that event had never been to a maker event, they didn't subconsciously try to emulate qualities and features found at all these other "quote unquote" typical maker events, and so yeah. they basically were completely outside the box because they never saw the inside of a box you know what i mean <laughs> and so i think in t- like almost accidentally they struck on something that was unique because they didn't have any outside influence sort of changing what their their expectations of what was you know what it was supposed to be like or anything like that i think that was a major um asset for that event so i think so a lot of those ideas, I mean, you just, we just had, it was a campground, it was a place to sleep. It was a, you know, a, a, not a figurative campfire because for some reason we didn't have a campfire. I don't know why, I guess, because all the rain intermittently, but it was, it was almost like a campfire that we gathered around. Essentially, it was one building, a central building that had pretty much all the events in it, tons of different power tools for building things. There was like a community um, aspect of it because people would donate their time and energy to helping either like a homeschool group co-op or whatever, like assembling backpacks or something on site for the campground itself as sort of like a an agreement to have us allow us to be there is we would help them with things. And so there was like so many little aspects of it. And also they had um, kids were, you know, also welcome, which yeah, maker fair. That's true. They were welcome there as well, but it, it did feel more like a, family kind of connection. It almost felt like a family reunion of members of a family I haven't met in person. It was really, it was really weird. And not, not to get like super, you know, 
mushy about it, but it, in a weird way, it, it sort of felt like that. And it, it, I don't know. Yeah, totally. Like if we could it replicate was, that. I know. <laughs> Let's uh, just copy and, exactly what they did and have our own. <laughs> it's a great idea. <laughs> and in all honesty, like credit to David and all the other guys that put that thing together. It was a great event. It really was. There was, I think part of it, part of it was the fact that it's like when it comes to Maker Faire or Workbench Con or like all of these other conventions and events, there's there's kind of a, a stressful expectation on what you need to get out of it. Like mm -hmm. you're like for like at Workbench Con, for example, like sponsors are there you need to talk to sponsors to try and get sponsors you need to like do this and all there's there's like the stress of expectation on your time there and utilizing the opportunity of being at at workbench con whereas what are we going to call it not maker camp because the maker alliance camp yes. so that they're like they had classes, there was activities, like all this other kind of stuff, but it didn't feel like there was an expectation on on anything. We were just there to be there. True. I had my own personal expectations, like I got to go to Wes's welding class uh, or soldering class. I want to try welding because every event that I've been to where they've had welding, like I still it just, have yet to try. Yeah, I still have yet to try too. <laughs> I'm like, how how did I? I, I, I still know. kept a little die. Me too. Because I was like standing in line, and I was like, no, I gotta go do something else. But, um, but beyond that, there was like, there wasn't any expectation on anything, and I think having that is just so crucial to having a good time. Like that's not to say that Maker Fair or Workbench Con or whatever is a good time. It's a good time. It really is. Um, every Maker Faire that I've been to, every Workbench Con that I've been to, they have all been good times. Man, they've been stressful sometimes. <laughs> and if we go to Workbench Con next year, like overseeing a complicated ARG, like I'm sure that's going to be stressful. Still a good time, but stressful. Whereas, like I would, I would love to go to like anything like a Maker Alliance summer camp, where it's just you're there to be there, and that's the only ex expectation you have. On anything, and I think that's great. What was the name of the get together that Dresta had at his place where they did the birth of dinosaur? That was what? the Catskill Maker Camp. Was it okay? Yeah, yeah. So when we say Maker Camp, anytime anybody says Maker Camp, that's what I think of is the Catskill Maker Camp, right in northern New York. Yep. You said that one was a little bit more commercial. Is that because of sponsors that were were part of it, or? Uh, I never have gone myself. I can't say. 100% but my get my sense of it is that there is a it's more it, there's a a upfront cost for camping there cuz it is a campground which makes sense they're renting the thing out yeah. but it still felt like a pay to play perception yeah. from what i saw from the outside looking in um, whereas and you have to pay for the classes depending on pay what for classes the, right which makes sense too if there's some sort of cost for the materials but i believe that's right like i think the instructors got paid too in some fashion to teach it which is completely fine but yeah that also does set up another sort of uh dichotomy or an arrangement between like information giver and you know student there's like a 
not equal playing field. Whereas at the Maker Alliance thing, for the most part, like there's very minimal cost for a lot of these things. A lot of the cost were footed by the people um, offering the class, which, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. It's just kind of how it worked out. Um, but the instructors weren't paid or anything like that. And that does set up a little bit of a difference. And and because I'm friends with a lot of these people, I've always felt like there's sort of a, like, why, why buy the cow when you get the milk for free kind of thing going on? Like, I always felt, <laughs> it felt disingenuous to me, like, like, I feel like I, you know, I don't want to come off as saying, like, I don't feel like I should have to pay because I'm, I'm already their friends or whatever to, to hang out with them. But in a way, it sort of felt like that sometimes. Yeah. Um, and that's just my unique vantage point, I guess, because I, I am, I do know a good amount of people in this community, which I don't want to feel like I have to pay to hang out with them, which sometimes in some of these scenarios, I can see that feeling. But I don't know. I'm blabbering. Stop me. <laughs> no. Blathering is good because it's like one of the things that we have talked about and that we need to talk about more is Westcon. And what would Westcon look like if we put together a West centric convention? So this is all good because it's, it gets the ideas of bubbling yes. for how, how change. would we... I'm not, I'm not too keen <laughs> on the name. Um, we may not give you a choice, but okay. That's, that's fair. We'll, we'll at least listen. West Fest. Yeah. West Fest. West Fest. <laughs> West Fest is best. Uh, I don't know. But I, I mean, mean we, we have seriously considered... we've the One of the reasons why we talk about it is because we've considered doing this. Like finding a way to have our own our own thing without being dependent on Maker Fair or WorkbenchCon or something like that where we can have our own little semi... I would say official, not semi-official... Like yeah. an official event. Yeah. I mean, no one else is going to say it's official besides us. Like, there's no higher entity that would yeah. proclaim this, right? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> so what else would we, what else would you include in your... There have to be video West games Fest. in some capacity. Yeah. Uh, either there's a, maybe a, a some sort of retro game element, whether you're trading them or just playing them or what have you i think that would be a cool thing that's that's one of my interests because i would want to do that um i do love i do love learning something yeah uh at at events like this um learning how to solder man that i was i was giddy like a little school kid because I was like, oh, I made the, the metal <laughs> melt and do the thing that I wanted to do. I thought that was the coolest yeah. thing in the world. Like, I enjoy doing that, too. D&D. Oh, my gosh. D&D. Yep. That was so much fun. Painting. It's like being exposed to things that I wouldn't otherwise take the time to do yeah. is great. Having some kind of interactivity hands-on rather than just like, Work like again. WorkbenchCon is great, but I'm just like you're just sitting in class and you're just kind of like consuming. Like you're not doing anything. You're just you're kind of sitting there and consuming. So it's like I love, I love learning. I love interactivity, being able to do stuff. And so like, I, that's a must. Even having like activities that are different than what you'd find a lot of other places, uh, especially based on the wide variety of skills that we have in our community too. It could be anything from learning like illustration or graphic design to 
to soldering to I don't know, a whole host of different things. I'll teach everybody how to do a walk cycle. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Cause learning animation gets you into motion graphics, which can like actually do a implement st- into do YouTube like videos a, and do a stop motion animation kind of seminar. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be there. Everybody will do. M- move around their tools on a workbench and like Frank Howard. Speak- Speaking of tools on a workbench, I'd like to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash making geeks for helping us keep the lights on here, especially the lights on here that I'm pointing up to at my ceiling. They're really bright. Uh, not that their funds help. I'm going, I'm going off on tangent. It started so well. Uh, thank you so much for your support, you guys and gals. We appreciate each and every one of you, including our top patrons, Clinton, Jordan, and Derek. Thank you, Derek. I he, he see the problem is he he doesn't put his user his actual human name in a Patreon, and yeah. he always says he wants us to call him by his name. But if he would just change his profile, I could. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yep. Uh, thank you guys so much for your support. We appreciate you. We haven't done this in a while, but what are you uh, what are you guys geeking out about? I'm geeking out about a series that came out on Disney Plus uh, that might have gotten overlooked, but it, I think it's pretty cool. It's I Am Groot. It's the series of shorts that are, I think they're all five minutes each. Um, before even watching any of the previews, I was kind of like iffy. I'm, ah, do I really want to see this? But I think they're pretty good. In fact, I'm going to be using them as samples in my animation classes of storytelling in five minutes and, and breaking things down. I think they're really good examples. Uh, I think you kind of see visually where they cut some corners on the production, but I think the writing is really good, especially for yeah. one character that has one line of dialogue but still managed to tell an entire story, be a very engaging character. I thought they were a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. And they're kid-friendly, um, unlike another show that came out on Disney Plus that maybe we'll talk about at a, a later time. Yeah, it's the it's the Wally effect of telling story without dialogue. Yeah. I thought it was great. It's also very Pixar. <laughs> I know they're kind of like one in the same, but... Yeah. There, there's a lot of Pixar there. I, I see it too. Yeah. Have you guys? Uh, myself, I recently ran uh, through the Hobbit movies with Grant over last, my son Grant over last weekend, and he absolutely loved them. He even loved the corny, like super drawn out, like barrel sequences in the second one, which was like totally <laughs> ridiculous. It's like Fast and the Furious, like ridiculousness, like mixed. It was just. After rewatching it, I liked it even less, which is not. For, it was for the kids. It's it's for the kids. Yeah, I do have to say, it's for like, the kids. to interject, watching that scene in forty eight frames a second in three D was the no. weirdest experience I have ever had in a movie theater. Yeah, no, no, I believe we've talked about this. Yeah, that that should not exist anymore. That that was horrible. <laughs> Peter Jackson, that was a bad idea, sir. Uh, but yeah, he loved him. He loved all that stuff. And so I'm a little bit, I'm super apprehensive for the Rings of Power uh, series coming out. I know they changed some things and they've altering the timeline a little bit to make things more interesting. They said they like compressed a lot of the events down into a smaller amount of time because it's over, it's such a long span of time that they're encompassing that the literal lives of humans They'd go through so many humans in like a thousand years that they would have 
like a crazy roster of people they have to keep track of, which makes sense. Like it's a funny thing to think about, like in a series, like hey, these lifespans of these characters, you're gonna have to they're like one episode per human and it's their entire life. You know, if you're thinking of like the span of like You should see them age Galadriel. during the episode. Yeah, exactly. With the lifespan essentially of an elf, you know, that's they're they're and obviously they're immoral, but you know what I'm saying. Like if you have someone that's immortal, other beings that are not immortal, you're going to have a really hard time telling the story across those two different time scales that makes sense without doing a ton of jumps and stuff and time and time travel or whatever. So I'm very apprehensive. The trailers look cool. Uh, Grant freaked out when I told him, hey, there's a series coming out, a TV series with Lord of the Rings. He's like, what? Are you serious? He's like about In throwing the table. In a week. Yeah, yeah. In so fingers crossed. Uh <sighs> I'd I'm love to do excited. a spoiler cast over that first episode. Yeah, we could. I'll watch it, but we I'm, could not, like, I'm not excited. <laughs> we can compare and contrast Rings of Power and She-Hulk. You can watch Rings of Power. There you go. Because you don't there want you to. I can watch She-Hulk because I don't want to. There you we'll, go. Uh, we'll meet in the middle. See, the most it, expensive show ever produced has got to do something good, right? The sacrifices we make for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, homework. Should I follow up on uh, homework? I can't even remember what it was. <laughs> it was Bugsy Malone and the the Haunted Mansion story. Nope. Shaking your head. Mm. Nope. Oh, fail. Well, that segment is a bust. <laughs> yeah. We've tried to do homework in the past. That doesn't work so well. Yeah. We need to remind you. Actually, speaking of uh, animation and motion, uh, motion graphics, I... Uh, a uh, Johnny Harris video came across my feed, and I've never watched any of his stuff before, um, except back from when he worked for Vox. So Va- Johnny Harris is uh, was a reporter and a producer at Vox uh, several years ago, and I I really like Vox and their documentaries and their style and everything like that. Um, but I came across a, a Johnny Harris video came across my feed, and I'm like, eh, I'll check it out. Um, and it was really cool because he was talking about how he uh, how he animates maps and stuff in the videos that he does, um, and that it was it was super cool to see, and it got me interested in going. I got a I didn't get a subscription to Skillshare, but I have access to Skillshare, uh, and so I went in and I've started uh, started learning motion graphic animation to try and see if I can't inject a little bit of it into my. Uh, into my videos and so i've been geeking out about about animation and motion graphics and stuff very cool yeah so for all the things that uh that we work on or that we're geeking out about if you want to talk to us individually about it you can do that uh you can find us mainly on instagram but we all have our own uh websites and social media accounts that you can follow us on uh for all the things that sean is doing you can follow him at geek builders for all the things that Wes is doing or having done to his house, uh, you can follow on Geek Smithing. Separated those two this time. Uh, and if you want to see the, the crazy chaos that I got going on at any moment of any day, you can follow me at Once Upon a Workbench. And if you'd like to be part of the show, at least we record live, we record every Thursday evening, 6.30 Pacific, 9.30 Eastern, and 8.30 Central. Uh, we record live on YouTube, and you can be part of the fantastic group that we have there in the live chat right now. Always makes the show a lot more fun seeing all the side talk going on. 
You can also find out more information about the show from our website, makegeeks.com. We have a contact page if you'd like to suggest any topics or any ideas for the show, and you can listen to all of the past episodes right there on the homepage of the website. And we also have a shop with some Making Geeks-themed merchandise for you to check out. You can find new episodes of the podcast every Saturday morning on your favorite podcast player of choice. So from all of us to all of you, have a great week. See y'all later. And I was muted. See you next time. So once it gets to Vegas, it can never leave, right? Because whatever happens there has to stay there. <laughs> uh, that's just your guilt and your inhibitions.